I would take a vacation on this plane. Like, I don't, it doesn't have to go anywhere. No, I wanted to go somewhere. <laughs> I'm not an Instagram influencer who sits in a plane and takes pictures. <laughs> uh, just to get away for a week from my own life and my responsibilities, I'd go sit on that plane. Does it come with this fucking Prince Philip looking butler? Can we let this man die? <laughs> Why is he still working for Zemo? Yeah, poor guy, yeah. <laughs> like, is this a Bruce Wayne type situation? Yeah, right? I mean, the guy could barely go up the stairs. Seriously, this old man's over here doing a Joe Biden impression. Let him go. <laughs> Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams, assemble. episode three this was fun you know even if we weren't recording a podcast about the show i would have had to watch this episode multiple times as i found myself quite distracted <laughs> i needed to watch it multiple times because there was so much information right that's totally what i meant uh-huh yep. yeah sure right <laughs> I'm sorry. Come on. They were serving up Sam and Bucky on a silver platter this episode. I'm sitting here with my knife and fork, not apologizing. But don't forget to wear a bib. (laughs) But yeah, this episode was so stylized and cool. It's my favorite thus far. Yes, it was awesome. It reminded me so much of all the John Wick movies, and I loved it. Yes, which it should, because it was written by Derek Kolstad, who wrote all three John Wick movies. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen the John Wick movies, have you? I have not, and will not. I can't deal with the whole concept of puppy killing. I just can't go there. Plus, just not my cup of tea. Fair, but... Can you imagine three and potentially four movies now moving forward have all started because someone killed a dog? My friend's husband, a couple Thanksgivings ago, was telling me the plot of John Wick because I did not know. I did not believe him. It took him a good 10 minutes to convince me before my friend Danielle came back and was like, oh, no, he's totally telling you the truth. He's not punking you. (laughs) Like, you've got to be kidding. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous, but it's awesome. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah, and we will talk about it individually within scenes, but this music, oh my God, I want to live in Madripoor and I don't even like clubs. (laughs) Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it too. It was fantastic. And just so much great story too. Zemo, Sharon, Ayo, oh. Amazing. Fantastic episode. After the last two heavy episodes that we got, this was just what we needed. Yes. Probably before shit really hits the fan in the next episode. Oh, and there's plenty of shit to go around at this point. Yeah, true. And just generally speaking, what a great episode for women's representation. We'll, we'll get to all of it, but just in general, Sharon Carter getting some justice here, big time. True. Yes. She has every right to be pissy. 
And oh, yeah. we will get to that. Yes. But speaking of shitty things, the episode starts with an ad. <laughs> oh, indeed it did. For the Global Repatriation Council. Say that three times fast. No, thank you. But I wouldn't want to watch that ad either. No, that was the first time I gagged in this episode with that benevolent marketing. But <laughs> it was so well done because we immediately cut to Crafton America and a police raid. Yes. And I found a new nickname for him, by the way. Which is? America's asshole. <laughs> and now I'm torn. Yes. I saw that one a few days ago and I'm like, oh man, my loyalties. <gasps> I don't know which way it turned. Mm. We'll give it equal opportunity. Both are equally loved. I am enjoying this realistic portrayal critique of America around the world. Okay. It's necessary. I know a lot of people don't like it. Oh, well, this is reality. It is. And I think a lot of people are waking up to it, not just in pop culture. Now, you asked me this last week. What was your first reaction of seeing Walker right off the bat this episode? I thought, oh, fuck me. I don't want to see him again. <laughs> yeah, I felt the same way. I was like, oh, God, I need a break. No, no. But it was quick and perfectly executed. Yes, it was quick and painless. Like pulling off a Band-Aid. We had to see him. We saw him. And now he's gone. Well, it certainly wasn't painless for Walker. True. What this scene showcases so well is, again, he is the opposite of what Dr. Erskine wanted. He is a bully. He has no compassion. And he is now operating without any kind of accountability. Absolutely. Now, I'm, I'm a bit confused. Why is he working for the GRC? I'm just assuming that the U.S. is pretty much in charge of the GRC, that they've taken the lead because that's what the United States does. Mm -hmm. So they would put one of their own people at the forefront of it. But the whole concept of they reintroduced Captain America was a symbol for America and he's meddling in world affairs. And America never does that, right? <laughs> right, everybody? Right. Okay, fair point. What I think is also very telling here is that he has to rely on Hoskins for translating. Yes, and that isn't surprising somehow. Not at all. It's still not the norm for Americans to be bilingual. I think that's the message here. But also, it shows, again, Walker can't do much of anything by himself. Well, Hoskins is American. He seems to be bilingual. Yes. I agree. White Americans. I see. Okay. I rephrase. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he, he's the only one, and this is reinforced when he says that Carly is funneling things through someone I can't see. It's always I with him. It's never we. Yeah, this seems to have become like an ego issue with him. Like he has to get Carly and the Flag Smashers before anyone else to prove himself a hundred percent and this poor man who's just a good dude who believes in a cause trying to help desperate people is 
having his business disrupted, his privacy violated, and looks at Walker and says, you Americans have become brutes. True. Now, I have to actually take issue with this statement. Dude, get your facts straight. We've always been brutes. It didn't just happen. (laughs) Yeah, and he is so unimpressed by everything that's going on because he he knows that these people are all full of shit. Yes. And can you imagine Steve Rogers ever saying to anyone, even if it was just to get free coffee at Starbucks, do you know who I am? He would never. In fact, he'd be uncomfortable that people recognized him. Oh, that's what the hat and sunglasses are for, man. <laughs> and you know what, Mr. Walker? We don't care who you are either, sir. True. Agreed. That's the worst thing you can say to a person like Walker, which is why it was the perfect line. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can see his eyes change when this man spits in his face. Yeah. That's where you can see the humanity is shut off and it's just anger. Yeah, he's starting to actually scare me. I think he should. Yes. Because we have to remember, even though, even though he may look like an idiot, he's still a very dangerous person. Agreed. And kudos to Wyatt Russell because he's doing a fantastic job portraying this, even with half his face covered off with the stupid helmet. He is. And, you know, I give him extra points because, like we said, he looks ridiculous. He does. And it's that much harder to be taken seriously as the character, but we're definitely taking him seriously as a dangerous person with way too much power. Agreed. True. But you know what I also felt? Just given the state of the U.S. right now, Mm -hmm. it kind of feels like the end of the Dark Knight. He's not the hero we want, but he is the hero we currently deserve. So that's what we're going to get till we shape the fuck up, (laughs) you know? Right. And this just reinforces the fact that Walker is useless. He can't make any headway on Carly and the Flag Smashers on his own. The phrase that came up in my mind for him currently is impotent rage. You know, the thing is with with John Walker, what what I think is that he is good at following orders. He's good at going in and roughing people up, probably even killing people if needed. But he's not good at being the leader. No. He's a good soldier, but he's not a good leader. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of putting it. And I think uh, Oskins is starting to turn a little bit here. We have the beginnings of it, at least. Hints of it, yes. I don't think he's going to quite turn on him i think he's going to be the reason that walker realizes he's not cut out to be captain america yeah the question is how will that be executed yeah it depends a lot on what happens in terms of the plot moving forward and also with his relationship with hoskins that's going to be a big part of it i have this feeling that walker is going to attempt to make him a scapegoat for something because We all know John Walkers. The world is full of them. They don't really Mm -hmm. like to take responsibility for their fuck-ups. I have seen that so far in John Walker. What I've seen is egotistical 
being an ineffective leader or an investigator, but not someone who'd passed the buck. We'll see. Depends on how angry and how desperate he gets. I suppose so. And here we're left wondering what Walker's plan is moving forward and who he might try to involve. Especially what happens at the end of the episode. Yeah, I think Walker is going to end up doing something very stupid. Speaking of which, let's go see Simo. <laughs> yes, I don't think John Walker has the monopoly on stupidity at this point. No, no, he doesn't. The problem is, they're all kind of desperate. And at least Bucky has a plan. He has an idea. Not a great one, but it's the only one they've got. Mm-hmm. And he's right. Him and Zemo do have a history. They both have a shared hatred of Hydra. Right. So Bucky decides to go and meet Zemo. Who can't help just pushing those buttons a little bit. Absolutely. Because the first thing he does is he says those code words. I give Bucky so much credit for not reacting. For just letting it roll off his back. Yeah, because he knows that Zemo's trying to get a reaction out of him. And of it's course. in a way a good way for him to get tested. Is the programming really gone? That's true. And this scene also answers a question that the world over was looking for an answer to. Is a German villain in a glass cage as effective as a British one? The answer is yes. <laughs> and it's interesting. Because we're going to see throughout this episode, Zemo and Walker juxtaposed with each other. They do have one underlying theme that we're reminded of here. They are both believers that the ends justify the means. Yes, that's true. And I think that goes for Bucky as well. I wouldn't go that far. To a certain extent, yes. I'd say Bucky is more comfortable with gray area than Sam is. Yes, 100%. There's no denying that. And I also think for Bucky, since he's more comfortable with the gray, he's more willing to the ends justifying the means. More willing to break rule number two? <laughs> well, he kind of has already, even when he was yeah. following it. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Rules are just guidelines. Yeah, he was following it, but to the point where he wasn't actually murdering people. So. So we know, even before it happens, they're going to break Zemo out of prison. Yes, but we didn't quite expect it to be so quick. Well, and we are going to see this uneasy alliance, but moving forward, we should keep in mind, if the Asgardian royal family has taught us anything, and that includes not just the MCU, but other roles they have played, such as cannibalistic uh, psychopaths, breaking the bad guy out of prison... <laughs> To help, never going to end well. Yeah, that's true. I'm not saying that Zemo is going to shapeshift into someone else and steal a throne or eat somebody's face, but I think this is going to go poorly in the end for Sam and Bucky. That said, I don't really care. I'm enjoying the ride. Yeah, I'm quite enjoying the ride too. So, Bucky, hypothetically, helps Zemo escape from the prison, and he manages... Again, another instance where you can see air quotes around Bucky's words. 
I actually did that right now, even though you <laughs> can see me. <laughs> Just never, never trust a hypothetical, especially when you're in a prison. Yes, true. And for the most part, there are two things we should all keep in mind. When someone says, hypothetically, what if, or I'm asking for a friend. Yes. Those are both very, very obvious things that said person has fucked up big time. (laughs) So Sam is not on board for this. And this scene is basically the, in case you missed Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, it's necessary. And it's two lines. It's good that they mentioned that Zima bombed the UN, framed Bucky for the murder of King T'Chaka. Right. And that Sharon became an enemy of the state. Yes, that was mentioned in the previous episode. Right. But good to know, nonetheless. Yeah, they planted that Wakanda connection and I still didn't see that ending coming. They planted it twice. Yes, they did. It still managed to surprise us. Yes, because we're duffers. Even when I saw the goddamn balls, I'm like, what are those? (laughs) (laughs) So Sam makes good points here, but I mean, Bucky has a point too. And uh, whoops, what's done is done. Yeah, because they are already at Zemo's garage. And I really love this scene because it really sets the stage for Sam throughout this episode. He is slow on the uptake. He is bumbling and fumbling his way blind through this episode. (laughs) Yes, he is way out of his depth over here. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen some people saying, you know, I'm loving the show, but something just feels off still. And I don't know what it is. What I think it comes down to is Sam and Bucky still haven't gelled. They're not buddies yet. They do clearly care about each other, but they're not a unit. They're not partners yet. And the writers are doing a great job of keeping them off balance. And therefore, it's keeping us off balance. That, and I also think that, like in this episode, we see Sam is out of his depth. Mm-hmm. And in certain cases, we see that Bucky is out of his depth. Mm-hmm. So, in generally, in buddy cop movies and things like that, the characters tend to magically have the skills that are always needed at the time. True. And it's a ridiculous trope. And in this case, they're not doing that. They're in fact making these characters fuck up. They're making them more human. Well, that's mainly because Bucky hasn't seen any goddamn action movies. Well, that's true. I'm telling you, he (laughs) needs a lazy boy. (laughs) Come on, man. And you have Steve's list. I know he's got movies in there. Come on. Get on it, Yeah, buddy. yeah, come on. Just get a Netflix subscription. <laughs> oh, that will cut into his brooding time, so I don't know. It's That's only 24, true. only 24 hours in a day. Yes, one must have their brooding time. And for Sam, I think his confidence has also been shaken. In this episode, yes. In general, too, I think that bank scene, losing that loan not being able to help his sister the way he wants. I think he's really having a hard time with that. I I think he feels like a failure right now and he's not trusting himself fully. Yeah, that's possible. And I also think that at the end of the day, he used to follow Steve as much as everyone said that, you know, Steve never expected people to follow him. 
But Sam did follow him. He did follow his lead and he respected him. And now Steve isn't there. And also he's come back to a whole new world. Yes, you're absolutely right. He's on shaky ground. Yeah, so that would make anyone feel unsure of themselves. Yes, but he's definitely not the same guy he was during that first rescue op we saw in episode one. No, absolutely not. That was all bravado. And that is something he knows. That is something he can do. That's where he was in his element. But everything outside of that, the real world, and everything that happened in this episode is not his world. But the prison has been Zemo's world for a while. He knows this place backwards and forwards. Yes. And with the ease that he was able to come out, he's been planning this for a while. Yes, he has. He's been waiting for the right opportunity. Mm-hmm. Fighting his time in a very dignified fashion, we might add. <laughs> yes. And he's kept up with his reading. I do appreciate that. <laughs> he would be reading Machiavelli. <laughs> and you know, it's great too. We didn't see him do any fighting in Civil War, despite the fact that we knew he ran a special ops unit. So it was awesome to see him throw down here. Yeah. And so he just moseys his way on down to the garage. Yes. And he has all his cars just waiting there for him. How nice. <laughs> this is such an amazing scene. Sam is simultaneously dumbfounded and pissed. Yeah. And Zemo, ever so polite, if I may, no. <laughs> I think that's my favorite, one of my favorite scenes of the show. Yes. And the three of them have such great chemistry together and such great timing. True. Yeah. This is a trio I never knew I needed. That and as well as the WandaVision trio that we got. Yes. Marvel is really getting good at the whole trio thing. Well, I'm not sure how long this particular trio is going to last. True. But it's going to be a fun ride. Yes, we're going to enjoy it thoroughly. Yes. I love the way Zemo is just playing it so innocently. Like, who, me? <laughs> what, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> okay, before we move forward, we have to address this. The cars are fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. You know, it's a shame. Him and, to him and Tony really could have bonded over that. They yeah. weren't busy trying to kill e if they weren't busy trying to kill each other. True. And Tony would have easily gone into all of them and really gotten into the engines and figured things out and the upkeep, all of it. They would have been fantastic friends. Yeah, aside from the whole mortal enemies problem. Well, one should always try to find common ground with even their mortal enemies. <laughs> I would be willing to find common ground with someone with these cars. Definitely. And inside one of these cars, he's got a little go bag for himself, along with that mask. Yes. So this mask is a nod to the comic. In the comics, Baron Zemo, we never see him without the mask. He has the purple mask and the super sexy coat and kind of like a crown on his head. They seem to have so far skipped the crown, which I'm glad for. Give him time. Hence so far. Yeah. So they all have a quick wardrobe change and are heading 
to a private jet. Yes. And I love him for the fact that he is not subtle about his continued feelings toward the Avengers. <laughs> it's like he's got a little needle and he's just jabbing Sam in the side every once in a while, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Gotta keep him on his toes. And I am now going to use the phrase a ladder of low lives at every opportunity. <laughs> that is my new favorite phrase. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I love Sam's reaction is like, so you've been rich this whole time? <laughs> that's right, Sam. Meet your new sugar daddy. Because <laughs> that's basically what we're looking at here. Yeah, essentially, like, Okay, what would you do to watch Sam ask Zemo to give him the money for his boat? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> he would definitely demand a much more thorough business plan, I suspect, than what Sam provided. Yes, which should potentially involve Sam being shirtless at all times. I don't think a booklet of Nana's recipes would suffice. No. The three of them heading toward this jet together was incredible. And I don't care if it's going to be 100 degrees here in San Antonio, according to my weather app on Thursday. I don't care if it would hang six inches off the floor. I want that goddamn coat. Me too. I loved it. You're even shorter than I am. Yeah. I don't care. I'll, I'll cut, cut it. I'll alter it. I'll, yeah. I'll cut that shit and staple it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking amazing. Half of the reason why I like Zemo is because of that damn coat. Seriously, this is how Marvel can do like a GameStop kind of thing. Just find out who made that coat and drive up the stock of this thing. And I don't know what happens after that because I don't know enough about the stock market, but I imagine something could happen here. Okay. All right. Coat makers, please take note. And I know you were looking at Zemo, looking at that coat. I was too, but... um, No, 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 no. I need to clarify before you say that. I say it makes him look a thousand times sexy. It doesn't mean I'm going to boink him. I'd rather just take the coat and run. <laughs> Understood. Yes, well, while you were entranced by Zebo's coat, I could not take my eyes off of the swaggering Mr. Barnes. Jesus. Yeah, I had a feeling you'd have some issues over there, but I was too distracted with the coat. I don't yeah. give a shit about anyone else. And, I mean, not to be outdone later, Mr. Mackey's going to be fully on display. Thank you, Marvel. But uh, <laughs> both of them. Man. Hmm. Pleasant dreams. You needed a cold trauma after watching the episode? Indeed. Mm -hmm. Now, you had the cars. I get the private jet here. Hey, I like the private jet too. We can share. <laughs> I would take a vacation on this plane. Like, I don't, it doesn't have to go anywhere. No, I wanted to go somewhere. <laughs> I'm not an Instagram influencer who sits in a plane and takes pictures. <laughs> Just to get away for a week from my own life, 
And my responsibilities, I'd go sit on that plane. Does it come with this fucking Prince Philip looking butler? Can we let this man die? <laughs> Why is he still working for Zemo? Yeah, poor guy, yeah. Like, is this a Bruce Wayne type situation? Yeah, right? I mean, the guy could barely go up the stairs. Seriously, this old man's over here doing a Joe Biden impression. Let him go. <laughs> question yeah how much danger are these guys in if he was the pilot no no he can't be the pilot he has to serve the canapes (laughs) that may or may not pass the smell test of course oh my god (laughs) i was dying you can't tell me he wasn't writing bits in his cell this entire time coming out with this shit the smell (laughs) test yes he's had a lot of time to think things through and you can tell he was only half joking about it because he said it in german oh he was not joking (laughs) he just put the smile on just to make that old man feel comfortable which i don't think he felt fully comfortable because you could see that moment of (laughs) yeah i think the old man himself is feeling like that yeah for sure but in all of this but in this interaction you can see sam is frustrated Yeah, I would be too. Like, your butler is telling you, apologies, the champagne is warm because the fridge is out. And I can't get a goddamn load. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For my boat, that is practically falling apart. Yep. So then uh, Zemo's got his drink and he pulls out a little notebook. Oh, no, he didn't. Yeah. How did he even get that in the first place? Add pickpocket to his list of skills. Hmm. Clearly. Yeah, and clearly he's testing Bucky's boundaries here. Absolutely. And Bucky certainly drew the line there. Oh, yeah. At which point we realize, oh, my God, it is Steve's notebook. Yeah, true. That hit me right in the gut. Yeah, so Steve gave him the notebook with the intention of helping him catch up like he did. And he is using the book instead to right his wrongs. Yeah, and we can assume that the shield and this notebook are the only physical pieces he has left of Steve. Yeah, so that's actually kind of surprised me a little bit because I'm surprised that Bucky has actually written in the, in the notebook like you said it's one of those few things that he has of steve like i i have my dad's diary and i would never write in it well everybody's different and we don't know if him and steve talk this over about him making amends and about continuity that kind of thing you know true but i would think that's something that's sacred well like i said everybody everybody's different yeah to each his own And you know what else is sacred? What? Trouble Man. (laughs) That is true. I agree. And you know what's crazy? We've said a number of times for both this show and for WandaVision that the timing of these plot lines and some of the things that are said are just insane. Mm -hmm. It doesn't get any crazier than this. So yesterday, Friday, April 2nd, the day this episode dropped, Marvin Gaye's birthday. Come on. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's that's insane. That's that's something. And here we get another great line when Zemo is talking about how good Trouble Man is and how it accurately depicts the African-American experience. (laughs) (laughs) Sam's face is just priceless here. He's out of line, but he's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to know that Zemo is open to various different types of music and cultures and understands it. Yes, I feel like Zemo is the official Hannibal Lecter of Marvel, despite the fact that Marvel already employs Hannibal Lecter. (laughs) Yes, but Zemo certainly has some class and flair to him. Well, so did Hannibal. Now, I'm saying Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, whereas you come from the TV series Hannibal with Mads Mikkelsen. Yes. He is a different league of Hannibal altogether. Oh, and Marvel's got him too. Right. Caecilius. Yes. You know, I'm not taking out the board again. I put away the yarn. I put away the pushpins. I'm not taking it out again. <laughs> this needs to stop. I don't think you can put it away. Not for good. No, never. But Zemo makes an important point here too, despite the comedy of the situation. Mm-hmm. It is important that we recognize a hero's flaws as well as their positive qualities. Yes, it is very important to remember that all the heroes that we admire are still human at the end of the day. And two, this is a fact of life. Looking back at American history, world history, how many famous icons have there been that people have admired who were terrible fucking people? Yes, true. You know, we look back on, you know, the the golden age of Hollywood. John Wayne was a terrible racist. So was Frank Sinatra, who beat his wives. You know, look at politicians. FDR, for all the good he did, also interned how many thousands of Japanese Americans? You know, John John Lennon was a piece of shit. Mother Teresa was most certainly not the saint the Catholic Church portrays her as. And we won't even get started on Gandhi. So what Zemo is trying to say is, guys, remember, yeah, Steve did a lot of good. We love him, but he wasn't perfect. And that is really going to become clear in a bit when we reunite with Sharon. Yes, true. But first, we've got to go undercover. And poor Bucky here, he knows exactly what Zemo needs him to do before he even says it. Yes, he does. And... And clearly, Bucky is uncomfortable with it, but again, he knows what he needs to do in order to get the results he needs. Right. Did you notice that Zemo calls him James? Yes, I did. And this is opposed to Walker, who just started calling him Bucky right away instead of Sergeant Barnes or Mr. Barnes or James. Got too familiar, disrespectful. And this is another way of getting us to like Zemo. And hate Walker. Mm-hmm. Right. So on their quest, these guys need to go to Madripoor to meet Selby. So the show pretty much parallels what Madripoor was in the comics. It's an island mm-hmm. in Southeast Asia, southwest of Singapore. Yes, it's part of the Indonesian archipelago. It's a business mecca with extreme inequality. So we have high town for the super wealthy and low town 
where the super poor live. Yes, and business mecca for illegal business. Right. Criminal haven. Yeah. So there is a lot of comic history for Madripoor. Lots of minutia mm -hmm. that we are not going to get into. Yeah, but some of the important things are that Magneto had once established a version of, of the Xavier Mansion for the time-displaced mutants over there. And Wolverine also has a lot of history with Madripoor. It's actually where he and Cap met for the first time in 1942. Right. Disclaimer. That being said, we don't think that any X-Men or Wolverine are going to be showing up in this show. But we have to make a quick stop before we head over to Madripoor. Yes, we are going to Riga, Latvia. Where Carly is currently staying at a GRC camp. Yes, and we see her with this lady who seems to be dying. And we see in this scene that Carly clearly has a tremendous capacity for love and compassion. Yes, she does. And she's clearly mourning the loss of this person, whoever she is. A friend, guardian, we don't know. I'm inclined to think some kind of former leader. I'm thinking more of a motherly figure. Mm -hmm. It seems to me like Carly has had a tough life. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, we're going to get a little bit more backstory on her later. Yeah. Did you notice the pendant that Carly had in her hand while she was holding this lady's hand? No, I didn't. It looked like a hand with a globe in it. Okay. And that's very similar to the Flag Smashers logo that we've seen. Right. Okay. Yeah. So then even more now I'm thinking former leader. Okay. I think that's where the inspiration came for the Flag Smashers. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised if Carly established the Flag Smashers after seeing how Donia Madani, as we know this lady's name is moving forward, how she was treated and how she fell ill and the GRC didn't do anything to help her. I think she's the catalyst to get the Flag Smashers up and running. Could be. Yep. So we leave Carly for the moment because it's time to hit the club. Yes. In Madripoor. Winter Soldier, Baron Zemo, and Smiling Tiger. <laughs> yes, they're all looking very spiffy as they are walking on this bridge. Though Sam is less than enthused about his costume. <laughs> I think he pulls it off nicely, though. Yeah, he doesn't look bad. I think he looks good. Do you think that was an actual picture of him? Or possibly his stunt double that we see on his phone? I think it's probably a modified version of him. Or maybe if Anthony Mackie has a cousin or a brother who looks, who looks similar to him. For a second, I was like, is that Winston Duke? <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? But no, Winston Duke is a much bigger dude. It was a profile shot. That's why. True. And I have to say, I normally don't give a shit about architecture, engineering, but this is the coolest bridge I've ever seen. Where was this film? <laughs> you know what? I want to know too. But that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if it was partly CGI'd. Maybe. 
I mean, it looks terrifying, so I wouldn't want to stand on it, but I'd like to look at it from safe ground. Sure, of course. I do not like bridges. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get onto the bridge, we get a bit of a... We see the skyline of Madripoor, and it reminded me so much of Hong Kong. A little more neon version of Hong Kong. The Hong Kong skyline. Okay. Now we got a car waiting for these gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Got an escort. Yeah. This escort with the bikes and the things at the back. Do you know what that was? Zemo seems to have an awful lot in place already, doesn't he? Yeah, but I don't think this was him. I think this was Madripoor security. Something like that. He knew what was going to happen. That's what I mean. Yes, true. So clearly it's not the first time that he's been there. But I was confused about what was the reason to have those poles on those bikes. I mean, what's the intention there? Are they guns? I'm the last person to ask that question. If anybody has any idea, can you please tell me clearly my co-host is useless? Yeah, she had to tell me to move my mouse doggle this morning. (laughs) (laughs) And I only learned the word dongle like six months ago. Congratulations, I'm proud of you. And I purposely didn't use the word dongle because I had a feeling you wouldn't know it. See, I can't even get mad because she's not wrong. So yes, if anyone has any idea what that's supposed to represent, please help me. I won't be able to sleep till I know. (laughs) She's not lying. Yes, it's true. (laughs) I wish I was joking. So here's how you know that all this club stuff is amazing. Because I hate clubs. I hate noise. I do not like loud things. I don't like lots of colors. Basically, anything that young people might enjoy. (laughs) Just keep it away from me. In short, she's 85 years old. Yes. Nonetheless, I love this place. Yeah, it's amazing. It's lively. It's very neon. Very John Wick. Loved it. Yes, and this music. People have been losing their minds. The internet is breaking over this Filipino rap song. Yeah. I I love the music in this episode. And I think the the soundtrack this episode has been fantastic. So as we go through this whole club sequence, it's interesting that Sam and Bucky's roles that they're playing are equally difficult for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Bucky knows exactly what he has to be, what he has to do. But it has to be gut-wrenching for him. Yeah, true. He doesn't need to say much. He just needs to beat people up. Yeah. Whereas poor Sam is flying blind without a net. Yeah, yeah. He is so out of his element. Poor guy. I feel bad for him. Yeah, I think he's going to have the rougher deal of the two of them (laughs) overall. (laughs) Well, that's debatable. So how would you rate the casting diversity of this place? It was certainly a diverse place, a lot of different kind of people to be seen. 
But I did notice one thing that for a place that's supposed to be located close to Singapore and Indonesia, I noticed that there was only one Asian looking person. There were a lot of Caucasian people, a lot of black people, but I noticed that there weren't any Indian or Japanese or Indonesian or Chinese looking people over there. Just the one that later on in the episode who Sharon beats up, which is very unusual. Okay, so here's my question for you. Do you think Mm -hmm. that's the fault of the show? Do you think that's a black mark on the show? Or do you think it's a testament to the extreme inequality in Madripoor? And that's what they're trying to show us. That it's Hightown. So this is the mix we have in Hightown. And that the people you're speaking of are segregated to low town no on the contrary actually this whole club situation is in low town you're right that's right okay right sharon's place is in high town you're right they go to low town first yes so it's not about the inequality i think it's simply a very american thing to do the shows and movies don't tend to give you an accurate representation of the actual demographics of the places that they're going to, because it's easier, obviously, to get American, Canadian actors that they need. Well, it depends on where it's being filmed, too, because we do know that they film good chunks of this show in Europe. True. So again, in Europe, it'll be easier to find European people and black people than than others. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't know where they film these portions. Yeah, I don't know. But in a place, even if it's fictional like Madripoor, chances are that the people who would be the servers, like the bartenders and waiters and anything like that in a club, would be local Indonesian or Singaporean, as opposed to a black man who is a bartender. Okay. So the guys are heading up to the bartender, and we see Sharon. We're meant to recognize her immediately. Yes, and she puts her hoodie up and skulks away. She had to know they were coming. You know, I don't think she knew they were coming. I think she knew that Zima was coming and the Winter Soldier was coming. But I don't think she knew that Sam was coming. Okay, I'll grant you that. So Sharon knowing that they were coming, it's the first in a series of subtle little hints that Mm -hmm. Sharon may be more than she appears. God willing, please, please. Yeah, let's see how it goes with Sharon. So now we're at the bar. And uh, this is your favorite part, isn't it? Oh, you know, (laughs) this morning as I was staring down my small glass of green juice, holding my nose closed, I said, all right, Krista, if Sam can swallow live snakes, you can handle some Swiss chard. Let's do this. Yeah, that was that was interesting. So clearly the smiling tiger has a thing for snakes. Yeah, for everybody who is hoping that Sam would become Captain America, I'm sorry, but unless we get some deleted bathroom scene, <laughs> Sam is going to become Snake Man. That's how this works. Well, if they are radioactive, baby snakes, sure, maybe, but... More people need to be talking about the fact that from this point on, 
Sam has snakes squiggling around in his insides. I cannot handle it. <laughs> I think it was one snake. It was two. It was two? It was two. For someone who's so, so squirmy and wasn't able to look, how did you know he put two? Don't make me go back there. I only saw it once. <laughs> I think it was one. I'm not wrong. Okay. You know what? Even if I'm wrong, does it matter? Is one so much better to have wiggling around inside of you? No. Yeah, one is certainly better than two. Uh, listeners, if you have managed to get a gif of this nope. snake thing, nope. please send it to us so that we can clarify. You And are make sure to send it on Twitter. You know what? I'm going on Amazon right now. <laughs> Birthday gift cancelled. <laughs> Just seeing your squirm is a gift enough for me. And, you know, I'm glad that they're pointing out the silliness of the name Power Broker. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, true. Marvel, Marvel was awfully heavy-handed back in the day with some of their names. <laughs> well, to be fair, Sam has been shitting on a lot of names lately. Yeah. Including his own alias for this episode, the Smiling Tiger. <laughs> Come on, it's hard not to. Yeah, true. Yeah, so the Smiling Tiger, a.k.a. Conrad Mack, he kind of sounds like a villainous Black Panther, but more panther, but tiger in this case. Mm -hmm. So he was part human, part feral cat, unable to live amongst regular people. So he set up shop in Madripoor. Yeah, and that seems like a perfect place with the crowds to be for a part tiger, part human to be in. Yes. So Zemo describes Power Broker as the judge, jury, and executioner of Madripoor. Very powerful mm -hmm. individual. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it is important to note that Zemo has not actually met the Power Broker himself. Correct. So Zemo knows they've got to show some street cred here. So Winter Soldier engage. Yes. Hmm. Okay, let it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this was fun. Yes. It was. For me too, for very different reasons. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, this did this did things to my insides. Not have a snake inside me things, but close enough. Are we having kitten stroking dreams again? <laughs> it really was so good to see Bucky just letting loose though, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was, definitely. And Zemo also says that it doesn't take much to, for him to get back in form. Yes. Put that in your back pocket, everybody. Yeah. But Sam is understandably concerned and it's sweet of him to check in on Bucky over and yeah. over again. Yeah. And Bucky does with him, too. They really do care. Yes, they care, but they're stupid, idiotic men who can't seem to express it. <laughs> And then we get this incredible slow motion sequence. It reminded me of the music in Inception a little bit. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. The sequence, I love them walking in like absolute badasses. Yes. The segue to Selby's inner sanctum. Yes. And Zemo's coat. Hell yeah. 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 And I like this Selby. She reminded me a little bit of Emma Thompson. Hmm. I can see that. Yeah. I liked her hair. Yeah, that's one of the reasons she reminded me of her. 
Mm-hmm. And what Zemo says to her here, it's just so perfect for the type of villain he is. People like us always find a way, don't they? Yeah, true. And you can see he is playing a part, but he is very comfortable totally. playing this part. And his offer is, give us Nagel and I'll give you Winter Soldier. Right. And he makes a nice show of it. I thought he was going to lose his hand. <laughs> I was so nervous that Bucky would not be able to tolerate this. Bucky has tolerated worse. That's true. And I think that him knowing that he's in control and he can retaliate should he want to is enough to keep him calm. That's a good point. So Selby tells Zemo that Dr. Nagel did recreate the serum there in Madripoor, but won't give up his current location. Yes. And then Sam ruins everything because he hasn't figured out how to use do not fucking disturb. To be fair, he is not a spy. Give him a break. Come on. D&D or turn it off. Something. True. If I can schedule it when I go to sleep at night, he can shut his phone off going into a life or death undercover mission. But that's the thing. He wouldn't have thought about it because this isn't his wheelhouse. He is a mess. Well, yeah. And also, you know, swallowing baby snakes would kind of do that to you, wouldn't it? (laughs) So, yeah, Sarah chooses now to discuss the boat. Yes. But I love Sam trying to act all big and bad on this (laughs) vocal. Yeah, and she... And she has no clue what's going on. And she's like, are you high? (laughs) Sam definitely needs some like villain monologuing classes because, yeah, I laundered so much money. (laughs) Is he going to cut it? Yeah, I'm going to kill him. (laughs) I could be more convincing than that, man. (laughs) He's so bad at it that it doesn't even register with his sister that something is wrong. Yeah, yeah. She just thinks her brother is being an idiot. She just assumes maybe he's had something to, maybe he smoked something or he's had too much to drink. Yeah. And I am looking forward to when they come face to face again. And she gives him a nice whack for being a stupid idiot on the phone. Yeah. And we see that like she is about to get off the phone to go deal with her sons. I hope she hung up before the bullets started flying. Sam, if you didn't call that woman back, there's going to be hell to pay. (laughs) I think she was a bit distracted. I don't think it would have struck her. Yeah, so their cover is immediately blown here. Mm -hmm. But things quickly turn back into their favor when Selby gets shot. Yeah, by this guardian angel that just keeps coming through for them. Yeah. Hmm, Possibly a blonde, very pissed off guardian angel. Mm-hmm. And these guys make a quick getaway while everyone in Madripoor gets a message that Selby has been killed and there's a bounty on these guys' head. This was a brilliant move by the writers. This was a John Wick move. Oh, okay. This is something that's been featured heavily in the John Wick movies. And every woman who's ever been in an action movie pulls out her hair when Sam announces... I can't run in these heels. 
<laughs> Dude, all these women running around in stilettos and you're complaining about those small heels? Come on. Does this mean that ScarJo might actually have practical footwear in July? Hmm? No, don't hold your breath on that. And speaking of her, she'd be very disappointed in Falcon right now. I agree. Pepper Potts would be like, dude, get the fuck out of here. I walk over broken glass in those things. Yeah. But great acknowledgement here. True. Yes. It's a, gr- it's a great line. And we should note that throughout this episode, Sharon Carter is in some sturdy boots. You know what? That makes sense for someone who's constantly on the run. Or so we think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That place of hers looks awfully comfy. It does. Yeah. I wouldn't mind spending a night with real artwork. So Sharon stumbles upon these three bumbling idiots. Yeah. Who are only alive. Because of her. Probably. Pretty much. And this is a very different Sharon Carter. Yes, indeed. And I'm certainly liking her a lot better. Yeah, you know why? She's an actual character. Yeah, she's got some depth to her. Yeah. Oh, and we've only scratched the surface. Yeah, definitely. I want to see more of her. So she's pissed off because she's still on the run and she hasn't been pardoned. Yeah, she tells them flat out, you cost me everything. And the Avengers abandoned her. Yes. And that's kind of shitty. It is. And what they're showing here is that Marvel is guilty of this. Lots and lots of movies and shows are guilty of this, where a female character is sacrificed to further the arcs, in this case, of three men. Yes. It's a very common thing that a woman would do something, sacrifice something, and then Boom, she's disappeared, never to be heard from again. And it's also super common for a man to hear a woman say these things and be completely tone deaf to it and still ask for her help. Bucky, while you're at it, why don't you just ask her if it's her time of the month? (laughs) Yeah, Bucky has been very self-involved. I've mentioned it before. Yeah, it really shows here in the worst way. (laughs) All she can do is laugh. Yeah. And, you know, the thing with Bucky is I think he's got tunnel vision. Yes, he certainly does. He can't think beyond the mission. Yeah, because they have absolutely no right whatsoever to ask for her help. No, but she still did help them. She did save their lives. She did. Question is why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she's got her own agenda and... I think she is going to use them, is using them, the way they used her. Mm -hmm. At least that's where I want things to go. (laughs) So she gives in, or at least appears to give in to helping them a little bit here, and takes them back to her place in Hightown. Yes. And she very kindly gives Sam the opportunity to change clothes. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you. Because, hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I lingered on this for a little bit. Uh-huh. Freeze frame. Yep. Did you just say freeze frame? What is it, 1992? Yeah, I don't know why Sharon's got men's clothes just handy, but I don't really care. Yeah, true. 
And why doesn't she have a wardrobe? Yeah, lots of unanswered questions. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty large room. With one of the ugliest couches I've ever seen in my life. And terrible, terrible decor. Yeah, I gotta say. Come on, a person with that kind of money? You gotta have better taste. Money doesn't buy taste if we have learned nothing in the last four years. I expected better of you, Sharon. I don't care if you turn out to be an international criminal, but you've got to have a better house with that kind of money. Yes, we're fine with you being a global kingpin and killing God knows how many people, but we can't replace yes. that couch. Yes. Taste is more important than integrity. And now, it was bad enough Bucky asking her for help after she laid everything out for them. Now, Sam has... The goal to say to her, I'm sorry I didn't call. Yeah, and I love the fact that he says that while he's half naked. Yeah. Makes really? it seem like it's a booty call or something. Yeah. Really, Sam? Really? <laughs> you don't think it's maybe too little, too late here, buddy? Well, yeah, true, but at least he's making an attempt. You got to give him that. But like you said, that's something you say after like you go out a couple times. And then never hear from a guy again. Not after you stuck your neck out, became a fugitive for him, had to go on the run and never see your family again kind of thing. Yeah. And I also think that a lot of it rests on Steve's shoulders as well, not just Sam's. I think that this is something that Steve should have looked into during the five years of the blip. Right, right, right. Okay. Because based on what Sharon said, it doesn't seem like she was blipped. Uh, So I get it that, so when Steve and Sam were fugitives, Sharon was a fugitive as well. So for them not being in touch at that time, it makes sense. But after the blip, when Steve was back on the right side of the law, he should have made an attempt to get back in touch with her or at least find out if she was alive or not. You're right. So for Sam saying, I, I'm sorry, I should have called. Yes, I think after he came back, he should have made an attempt, but I think it's more on Steve than Sam. Yeah. Yeah. So Sharon then warns them to stay away from the Flag Smashers. Sierra Smuggling, mm-hmm. just get out of here. And we have to wonder, is she trying to keep them out of it because she still, you know, has enough feelings for them that she doesn't want to see them hurt? Or does she want them to, to stay the hell out of her business? Yeah, because we are running with this theory that maybe Sharon is the power broker. Mm-hmm. If anything, you would think she'd want a little bit of revenge on Sam and Bucky. That's the vibe I got. Speaking of revenge, you know what Sharon's character here made me think of? What? Goldeneye. Okay. So in that movie, one of my favorite Bond movies, Sean Bean's character, 006, he and Bond are working together at the beginning of this movie. And shit goes down and Sean Bean gets held hostage and is shot by the enemy. Bond assumes he's dead. England assumes he's dead. However, he survived the gunshot and was essentially abandoned by his government. Mm -hmm. 
years later, the whole plot of the movie is Bond trying to find this anonymous, invisible super criminal. And the big reveal is, turns out to be 006, Sean Bean's character. Right. So that's what I'm thinking for Sharon Carter here and her motivations, that she has now become that supervillain and she is power broker. Yeah, makes sense. So that's a way of her furthering her business and revenge just being a nice little side bonus. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. I think she's far more calculating than just revenge. I think the reason why she's willing to pretend to play nice with them is so that she gets what she wants because obviously she wouldn't want to be a fugitive for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. And she can play that double life then and make life a little more easier for her. Oh, that is mm-hmm. an interesting idea. Oh, I like that. Oh, I was thinking the whole wanting the pardon was just part of the act for Sam, but I think you might just be right. Yes. The plot thickens. <laughs> Trust me to find a nefarious thing for trying for someone being nice. (laughs) Now, this scene here between Sam and Sharon when they're discussing the pardon, it actually made me think about the first season of Daredevil. Mm -hmm. Matt and Melvin the Taylor. Okay. So for those who haven't seen Daredevil, Matt finds Wilson Fisk's Taylor because he wants some of that body armor for himself. And Melvin is terrified that Fisk is going to hurt his friend Betsy if he doesn't continue helping him. And Matt promises him, you make me this suit, don't worry. I'll take care of Betsy. No matter what, I'll take care of her. I got the same sense from Sam here. It's not a quid pro quo. Even if Sharon says no here, he's still going to help her, no matter what. Yeah, I think so, because I think he feels guilty about it. As he should. True. I mean, after all... They cleared the bionic staring machine and he's killed almost everybody he's met. Which makes a lot of sense. Yes, it does. But it also makes me wonder what makes Sam think he has the clout to get it done. I'm sure he has some clout. He can pull some strings to get something done. Sharon's not so sure about that. True. Or is she saying that just to goad him to ensure that he does it? Could be. I don't know if it's realism cynicism or just an act on her part i think it could be a combination of all and also we we can't forget that she worked for shield she used to work undercover she's good at this shit she knows how to push people's buttons which begs the question is she power broker or is she actually still in some kind of deep cover we don't know but i certainly hope she is power broker me too and that is a hill we are prepared to die on (laughs) till the next episode because we never know what the fuck happens of course (laughs) which means we've jinxed it we are probably wrong god damn it yeah so sharon tells them look just keep a low profile because the bounty's still active have a little party just hang out yeah so they get some time to kind of chill in this very very expensive house (laughs) speaking of (laughs) what did you think of sam's reaction to when he realizes that all this stuff is actually real (laughs) i 
would have done the same thing. <laughs> Google? Yes. <laughs> That's my default for everything, for anything. Well, true. You know, there are many times when I say to myself, Google is my friend. Yes. But again, this is a perfect example of showing how out of his depth Sam is. He has no clue about this whole lifestyle. Yeah, and especially because Bucky seems to know all about it, and Sam is just constantly playing catch-up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, looks like Mr. Zemo might have a little catching up to do, too, in terms of his, uh, his dance moves. <laughs> hey, he just got out of prison. He's enjoying himself. Let him dance the way he likes. I laughed so hard and loud. I scared my poor sweet boy. He jumped off the couch, went slip sliding on the tile and ran into his crate. <laughs> I feel bad for him sometimes. Oh, yes. His life is so trying. <laughs> so Sharon gets the information on Nagel and we are off to a shipping yard. Yes. Question. Did she get the information from someone or she had it all along? Mm hmm. Just pretending to get the information from someone. Yeah, we're going to have these opposing questions for Sharon until we get some answers. Good thing there's only three episodes left. Yeah, you know what? I have a feeling we're going back into One Division territory. No! No! Don't take me back there. <laughs> I don't want to go. You saved up the that yarn, right? My tinfoil hat is still on the floor. Okay. <laughs> it's next to me. <laughs> All right. Damn it. Yeah, we're heading back. They're not quite probably to that level, but yeah, somewhere. So we go to see Dr. Nagel, and it pains me to call this man Dr. Nagel because he's a fucking monster. Yeah, this guy is, he's a terrible excuse of a human being he's on the order of a modern day mangala mm -hmm. so this entire sequence is intercut with the interrogation of this doctor and sharon kicking some serious ass she is fantastic with these moves yes she is i loved it so how did you feel about her fighting style i loved it frankly i was a bit distracted like you were distracted with Bucky, <laughs> but <laughs> but I loved it. And I think she's she's the kind of fighter who is very brutal and very to the point, whereas Black Widow is someone who was very fancy and she used a lot of tricks and gadgets to yes. get what she needed, whereas Sharon seems to be more of the hardcore kind of like a boxing MMA kind of style to her. Yeah, she's definitely to the point because she knows how to use that knife. Oh, yeah, she does. And she's fucking brutal with it. I felt that pain when she threw it to that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ow. So while she's uh, kicking names and taking ass outside, <laughs> we're finding out that Nagel is the one who recreated the serum from Isaiah Bradley's blood on behalf of the CIA. Yes, bit of a long and winding history over there for this super soldier serum. But it goes from Hydra 
to the CIA to the power broker. Yeah. So in the comics, Nagel is a scientist during World War II, who at that mm-hmm. point recreates the serum after Dr. Erskine is killed. And right. this gives us some real world parallels. We talked last week about the Tuskegee experiment. This week, it's Operation Paperclip. Right. So after World War II, the U.S. rounded up as many Nazi scientists as they could and secretly put them to work for the U.S. government, doing all kinds of things, including getting us to the moon. Yeah, true. It's safe to say that the United States would not be the country it is today without the Nazis. Yeah, and even in in the MCU, Dr. Erskine is German. So we had a German scientist who did create the super soldier serum. True. And Nagel tells them he made uh, 20 vials of this serum for Power Broker, and all of them were stolen by Carly. Yes. And he hasn't made any more since. Correct. But recently, Carly did call him, asking for help for her dying friend. And yes, his reaction to this is one of the most Nazi things anybody can ever say. Not my pig, not my farm. Hmm. Zemo. Yep. Yep. Let's go. We don't need this guy on the earth anymore. (laughs) We want to take care of this. Yeah. And I think part of it is also him being pissed off with Carly for stealing the super soldier serum in the first place. Could be. I'm not excusing his shitty behavior. Absolutely not. Well, he's also just a despicable sociopath who sees people as cattle. Yeah, for him, again, it's all about his creation. Right. So Nemo puts a bullet through his head on behalf of all of us. <laughs> and Sharon freaks out a little bit here. Yeah, she gets pissed off that Dr. Nagel is dead. Now, here's what I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. If she's power broker, then obviously she's pissed because the source of her serum is now dead. Right. But she's also no fool. She had to know. Zemo was going to kill this guy. I don't know. I mean, neither Sam nor Bucky knew. And maybe Sharon thought that these guys are on the same page. And they had a good grasp on Zemo. I feel like Sam and Bucky should have seen it coming too. Well, true. I mean, we all saw it coming, but that's the thing. For Sam, I get it because he is clearly out of his depth. I can't say anything for Bucky. And as for Sharon, she just saw these guys together and she doesn't know the intricacies of their inner workings of them as a group. She probably thought they're all kind of on the same page. Well, somebody needs to sit Sharon down on Disney Plus and show her Civil War because Zemo's whole deal is ending the super soldier program. So of course he's going to kill the guy responsible for it. I guess they don't have Disney Plus access in Madripoor. Maybe not. But then (laughs) piracy would be pretty big. Really? Did you just make a pirate joke? Yes, I did. (laughs) 
And what was that sound? I dropped my pen. <laughs> I dro- you made me drop my stylus with the world's cheesiest pun. <laughs> but these guys don't really have much time to process or react in any way because somebody launches a fucking RPG at them. Yeah. Bad day. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole container goes boom. And Sam and Bucky just keep stumbling along here, unable to get yeah. on the same page. <laughs> it's in every action movie. Yes. <laughs> and Zemo saves the day after wearing that mask. I got so nervous when he takes it off and opens another container and says, hello. I did not expect a car. Yeah, I was kind of expecting there to be some kind of plan, backstabbing plan ready mm-hmm. in that container. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah, turns out it's a car. And all of a sudden, I liked him much more. You can't not like this man, which means that John Walker is going to despise him and I cannot wait for them to meet. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be, Sparks are certainly going to fly. When they come face to face. So he pulls up and Bucky immediately gets in the front seat. You know, when he pulls up, I kind of actually remembered Enoch from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. Come with me if you want to continue to exist. Yes. (laughs) Similar car too with the top down though. True. And I'm pretty sure Bucky has been biding his time for however many years it's been. For this moment. Yes, he has. He absolutely has. Not going to move your seat up, are you? Nope. <laughs> and it's nice for Marvel to do that, that little callback. They're, that so, they're so good to us with that stuff. True, they are. But Sharon's got a big problem. Yeah, but unexpectedly, Sharon doesn't get into the car with these guys. Instead, she has a car waiting for her. Mm-hmm. With a driver. Yes. You know, this scene made me think of uh, James Vanderbeek in Varsity Blues, but like the opposite, where I'm like, I do want your life. <laughs> she seems to be on top of the world. But she has a problem. Yeah. So is her problem that her supplier was just murdered or is it something else? We don't know. Well, all we know is she's got A big problem. Actually, a couple of them. I think three specifically. (laughs) Three other problems. Three other Mm -hmm. well-dressed problems. Right. Well, let's see. Let's just say chances are she might be liquidating some of those original artworks soon. Hmm. So now we head back to Carly and her fellow Flag Smasher. Yes. This is a very humanizing scene. It is. And I think it's important for us to see that. Yes. It helps us relate to her even more. And we see that all she wants to do is protect those she cares about, help these kids, especially who are in these GRC camps. Yeah. And and clearly she's mourning for Mama Donya. She is. And I think that's clouding her judgment a little bit. I think she's gotten in over her head. Yeah, I think she has. I don't think she 
expected her and her team to gain quite so much notoriety so quickly mm-hmm. and to have people like Captain America, I'm sorry, America's asshole and Sam and Bucky to be hunting her. It seems a bit overkill. Mm-hmm. And I think she's also mistaken in how she thinks Power Broker is going to deal with her. Yeah, I think she is naive if she thinks that Power Broker is going to come begging. Yes, very much so. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she has this brute strength and it's a bunch of them will certainly make things difficult for the Power Broker. And when you have that kind of strength, it does cloud your judgment. Speaking of America's asshole, we get a little more time with him here back at Zemo's prison. Yeah, he seems to be running a few days behind Sam and Bucky. As always. (laughs) But at least he is smart enough to realize that Sam and Bucky are responsible for Zemo's prison break. Yes, and he is super pissed about it. He is more than pissed. He is starting to lose it. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. They show this physically. He's got some scruff going. His eyes look tired. And Hoskins is trying to rein him in, but they're about to go off the reservation. Yes, Hoskins is trying to balance him out, but he's still willing to go along. Yeah, when he called Walker Cap, I wanted to punch something. (laughs) And then just to keep showing us how unqualified Walker is for this job, he says to Hoskins, if we get the job done, do you really think they're going to sweat us on the how? Yeah, this is again, this is something that definitely tells us that Walker is the kind of guy who would believe that the ends justify the means. Yeah, no matter what. Yeah. I think he is going to do something incredibly reckless. I agree 100%. I think he will definitely do something stupid that will blow up in his face spectacularly. I can't wait. (laughs) I just want to see this guy go down in flames in the worst way. Yeah, he has to go down in order for him to realize that he's not the right person to be Captain America so that he can step away. Yeah, and it'll happen. You just got to wait. Yeah. So while those couple of thoughts are rattling around in his head, we head back to our jet. You know, I think that's the reason why... Walker is behind because these guys are going around flying in a private jet. (laughs) I can't even deal with Zemo playing host there and serving them these little plates of snack cakes. He's too much. (laughs) Yeah. Question is, did that pass the smell test? (laughs) He does it with a smile on his face. Yeah. (laughs) They're just missing a china teapot, you know? Yeah, and that is exactly the reason why I think that was from the bad stuff. Oh, I love him so much. <laughs> and I was a bit concerned that we didn't see the butler. Because he's fucking dead. <laughs> he died of overwork. Madripoor was probably a bit too much for him. <laughs> he overdosed on his blood pressure medication. <laughs> Can you imagine that this guy, this butler, by the way, his name is Osnick. 
if he were to actually be following around with these guys in Madripoor. Jesus. <laughs> All the strobing lights, he'd probably, I don't know, he'd probably fall down right there. Imagine his dance moves. <laughs> it would have to be like the worm because he would be on the floor. I think that's called a seizure. Yeah. <laughs> So Sam is actually taking some time here to think about how they treated Sharon, to think about what happened to Isaiah Bradley. And he's having a lot of second thoughts here. Yeah. And he thinks that he made a mistake giving the shield up. Not because he should have become Captain America, but because he should have just destroyed the shield because of all that it symbolizes. I can understand. Yeah. It has a problematic history for sure. Mm-hmm. Like so many symbols. True. But you can see where Bucky is coming from too. Yeah, for Bucky, the shield is not a symbol. For for Bucky, it's Steve, his best friend. No, I think it's a symbol for him too. Remember, this is a World War II veteran. That's true, yes. And part of it with Bucky is that he missed the last 80 years. So he has a very different conception of this shield's legacy. Right, yeah. And Sam also takes the time to call Torres and find out more about uh, Mama Donia. Right, because that's the kind of man Sam is. Right, and also, you know, information because Carly wanted to save her, so you want to know who she is and maybe get some more information. Right, whereas that's something John Walker would just write off. So they find out that she's dead of tuberculosis. And next we see... Carly and her flag smasher colleague raiding a GRC warehouse where the government has been hoarding these supplies instead of properly distributing them to people in need. Yes. And she does something that is uncharacteristic. Yeah. This, see, this is, I love that they're keeping everybody so morally gray. This is the slippery slope. Mm hmm. The road to hell is paved with good intentions for a reason. Yes. Because somebody always crosses a line. Correct. And it seems like she's, she has crossed that line. Yeah, by blowing up this warehouse with all of these guards and cops still in it. Yeah. She didn't have to, but she wanted to. And she justifies this by saying it's the only language these people understand. Right. I get it. That's the thing is that I get both sides of it. Is killing all of these people wrong? Of course. But from where she's coming from, doing this is going to be a net positive and save more lives in the end. In her mind, these are bad guys to begin with. Let's save, sacrifice them to save the good. Yeah. But one, it wasn't necessary for her to sacrifice them. No. Two, from a purely tactical point of view, it wasn't a smart move. Because till now, they were stealing resources. Now they've actively become terrorists. Yeah, they've opened themselves up to being hunted by even more organizations now. Yes. Initially, the response that we see to the Flag Smashers by sending in John Walker and Sam and all of that, it 
seemed unwarranted. It seemed too much. Mm-hmm. But now she has effectively given them a reason to justify their means of getting the flag smashers in any way possible. I think you're right. It is overkill to this point. And I think that's part of the continued critique on the U.S. government. We said this in a previous episode that American lawmakers love to demonize petty street crime and drug offenses while the worst villains operate from ivory towers. It's the same thing here. I think the GRC to this point is pursuing Carly and the Flag Smashers to send a message to anybody who would try to do the same or join them. They want to squash this rebellion before it gains a real foothold and starts costing wealthy people money. Yeah, I agree with you. But I don't know. I, I, I'm surprised that they're not concerned about the optics of this. The GRC has a huge publicity machine. We saw the ad. Mm-hmm. They can spin this any way they want. These are terrorists, after all. These are terrorists. And unfortunately, now Carly is playing into their hand. Yeah, yeah, true. Showing her naivete. So we end in Latvia because, of course, Zemo has a palace for them to hide out in. He didn't say that. He said, I have a place. It's going to be a palace. Come on. (laughs) When I say palace, I also just mean like really nice apartment. Okay. Fair. It's a low bar. (laughs) So he mentions Sokovia here and talks about how it was cannibalized by its neighbors almost immediately. Mm -hmm. So this begs the question, is Sokovia now part of Latveria? We don't know. In the comics, Latveria is the country Ruled by Dr. Doom, the villain of the Fantastic Four. Mm -hmm. Just throwing that out there. Yes, and we do know that the Fantastic Four movies are coming someday. Not taking it out. Yarn staying in the drawer. Not doing it. Okay, you keep telling yourself that. So like I said earlier, even when we see the little balls on the ground, Bucky picking these things up, I was like, ooh, what's that? Didn't occur to me. Yeah, when I saw these Kimoyo beads, I, I, I thought they looked familiar, but I couldn't quite place it till we meet Ayo. She's terrifying. <laughs> like if I met her in person, wherever I was, I would sit down, fold my hands in my lap and just sit still. Why? She is crazy intimidating. She looks like she could kill you with a piece of paper. She probably could. Yeah. So you'd basically just sit down and stare at her? I don't know. Then she would definitely kill you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about her, but I'd certainly kill you. Well, Bucky's surprised he didn't see her sooner. Yeah. And he was kind of happy to see her, wasn't he? Well, he's got a lot of history with Wakanda. He spent a couple of years there. And he has fond memories. That's the most important thing. Yeah. He owes them big time. Yeah. And they want some justice. Yes. So Ao is there for Zemo. So this is a whole nother dimension we weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. Now the question is, do you think Zemo is expecting this? 
Because if you remember Civil War, he ends with T'Challa. Yes, he does. And T'Challa lets him go. Yeah, this broke my heart because it made me think of, it just had me thinking about Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, because I was just going to say that now T'Challa is not there anymore. And that stung. Well, I wonder what the show is going to do with that because the Black Panther sequel isn't coming out for a while. So even though Chadwick Boseman has passed away, in MCU world, T'Challa could still be alive because we're not seeing him on screen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. But no matter what, it will have to connect to Black Panther Part 2 sure. in some way. So they may have already planned something out. Or maybe they just don't mention it. For all we know, Ayo could be a rogue agent. Maybe. I think Bucky has some kind of plan, though, because he's clearly been expecting this. Mm-hmm. So we'll just have to wait and see. Indeed, we will. Hopefully we get some answers next week. And we have a few people we want to thank this week. At Beastly Drowan. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Thank you for chatting with me this week. It was refreshing to talk to an enlightened man uh, after seeing so much like white bro ignorance about this show on social media. Thank you. At Darth BX, our fingers and toes are crossed along with you, hoping that Sam will be cap and stay cap for a while. Not Snake Man. <laughs> At A underscore E414. Let us know how you liked Sharon Carter. She definitely turned out to be more than the adult in the room in the best way possible. Terran Couch. Speaking of Sharon, we don't want to see her get that pardon either. We'd rather see her running an empire in Madripoor. At OS White Knits, we agree with you. Zemo is not Power Broker because he would never have recreated the Super Zero. Robin S. We too are grateful that Marvel let Zemo live. Daniel Brawl is a treasure. Even if he can't dance. <laughs> Maybe especially since he can't dance. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Thanks to all you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Join us next week for a breakdown of episode four of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Where hopefully it's Bucky's turn for another shirtless scene. One that won't make me cry. <laughs> In the meantime, if you guys have something to add to the conversation... Find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Marvel Madams. And visit MarvelousMadams.com, where infinity stones are a girl's best friend. <laughs> wait, wait, I have to make a Joe Biden joke. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs>